We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Moto, and you are listening to episode number 106, Tupperware Party. I'm Travis Sowers. Uh, David Seville has laryngitis this week and cannot join us. Uh, so we have a returning guest host, uh, Ethan Sachs, a.k.a. Lord Tupperware. Ethan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Travis. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be back on. Yeah, we're glad to have you again, and I appreciate you uh, being willing to, to fill in on such short notice. Um, I would assume that everybody out there knows who you are and what you do, but just in case they don't, uh, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Ethan, also known as Lord Tupperware on Twitch and Twitter. Uh, I am a primarily limited streamer. I am obsessed with drafting magic, all things draft. Uh, yeah, that's what I do on my stream most of the time. And I have a podcast with another streamer, Mr. Metronome, called Lords of Limited, where we dive crazy deep into the current draft format each and every week. Yeah, I, I recommend that podcast to anybody that wants to go deeper in limited than you can get with, for example, limited resources. Um, like if you really want to know a format in and out, Lords of Limited is the place to go do that. Uh, what I wanted to line up for us today uh, was kind of walking through a couple things that I thought would be a unique opportunity to kind of pick Ethan's brain on. Uh, the first was I, I want to go through and do a crack-a-pack for uh, Ravnica Allegiance and kind of look through that because that's going to be the quick draft format on Arena here in just a little bit. Uh, and I kind of need a refresher, and I thought that you guys and gals <laughs> might too, because I've been drafting Ixalan and, and everything else. So let's let's jump into an old one. I'll just read off the cards. We'll get Ethan's kind of reaction off of them. And then uh, I, I picked a pack that I think might have a little bit of discussion involved, so I think that'll be fun too. Um, did you did you curate a pack that has like some dirtle rare that I'm gonna want to take and some like normal two drop that you're gonna want to take? Well, I happened to open one on a draft sim that just had that, and I was like, "Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> Let's do it." Because I, I really want your opinion on a, a particular card. Because chat okay. chat gives me grief, and I, I want to know if I'm crazy. Uh, but we'll we'll start with the commons. We've got a rule guild gate. Tenth uh, district veteran is two and a white for a two three human soldier with vigilance when it attacks. Untap another target creature you control. We've got a Thought Collapse, one blue-blue for an instant counter-target spell. Its controller puts the top three cards of their library into their graveyard. We have what I think is our first contender, Savage Smash, one green-red for a sorcery. Target creature you control gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. It fights target creature you don't control. Yeah, I think that is certainly the best of the four that you've read off so far. You know, it's a card that I think is, I think it's the best Gruul Guild common over Frenzied Erynx, which is not how I felt at the start of the format. And it's still not something I'm excited to take early, just because Gruul is not a deck I feel confident in, even this deep into the format. It's just not something that I'm... It doesn't quite line up with my play style. I feel like I can draft the deck, and then I don't know if I feel like I'm piloting it the best that I can. Fair enough. I, I think we were yeah. also initially when we did the set review a little gun shy of fight spells because they haven't been good in a long time. Right. I mean, I think 
I think the heuristic that we have on Lords of Limited now, and I think it's a good one to just have in general, is that fight spells that do not boost power and toughness are not good. Yeah. And we, I think we keep, you know, even like in Ultimate Masters, when Prey Upon existed and Heroic was a mechanic in there, I was like, oh, I see. Now, now Prey Upon will be good. But it still wasn't. It still just like doesn't do the thing that you want it to do most of the time. So I think plus two, plus two, even at sorcery speed is still quite a boost. And it really does get in uh, a punch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. A savage punch. Yeah, a savage punch. Uh, next up, Sagittarius Volley. Uh, two and a green for an instant. Destroy target creature with flying. One damage to each creature with flying your opponent's control. Uh, good sideboard card. Knight of Sorrows, four and a white for a 3-3. Three, three, uh, can block an additional creature each combat after life one. Uh, Mammoth Spider, four and a green for a 3-5 reach. Spike Wheel Acrobat, three and a red for a 5-2. Spectacle for two and a red. Uh, another one that starts to get my interest here is Grasping Thrall. Three mm-hmm. white, black for a 3-3 three, three flying. When it enters the battlefield, drain your opponent for two. So where are you at on the... Orzov common power rankings with this final payment and imperious oligarch. I mean, for me, I had a deck with five grasping thralls once and then other cards that weren't five grasping thralls. <laughs> and it was wonderful. So like, I feel like I want the first one of this over the other two. I think so too. And that's, that's a far cry from where I was at the start of the format. You know, I was super high on final payment at the start. I think I thought it was the best common in the set. And, you know, it's still very strong and you'll like always play one and it's not as uh, it's not as diminishing returns for the second and third copy as I thought. But there is work to it. Mm-hmm. And this format is just slow enough where you're not super punished by having six. Like, I just can't imagine a number of grasping thrills in my deck. That would be too many. Yeah. And, and that may have just been Boros PTSD or something, right? Like, we were, yeah, right. We were thinking maybe Rakdos was going to be the Boros of the format and it, it just wasn't. No. Um, Growth Spiral is next. Uh, green and a blue for an instant. Draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. My favorite play with Growth Spiral so far was having somebody block my Gatebreaker Ram, thinking they were going to trade, and then Growth Spiral out another gate. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, you only need to get got by that once <laughs> to, to, to remember that green-blue can be a combat trick. Yeah. Uh, Debtor's Transport is the last of our commons. Five and a black for a 5-3 with Afterlife 2. And now we get into some things that are a little bit more interesting. Uh, Macabre Mockery, uh, two black red for an instant. Put target creature card from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It gets plus two, plus oh, and gains haste until end of turn. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. I've played with this a little bit. I think I remember saying I thought it was going to play like a Divine Verdict Lava Axe split card, and it kind of has for me. I'm not main decking this very often. I don't know about you. I really like bringing it in against afterlife creatures because it's pretty great to get to use it as either a way to push damage or a way to blow out a creature in combat. But then getting even just one 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 flying token at the end of all that feels like pretty good value. Otherwise, I, I feel like I can do better in my Rakdos decks at four mana. Yeah, I, I don't want to pick it early, but I, I think it's got a place. I, I don't think we're going to take it out of this pack over Savage Smash or Grasping Thrall. No. Um, maybe in contention, though, is Sphinx of New Prov. Uh, white, white, blue, blue for a 4-3 Flying Vigilance. Spells your opponent's cast to target it. Costs two more. So I think of the CCDD cycle of cards, this is the worst of the five in this format for me. Um, so I'm trying to think, like, yeah, so that 
being said, with that mana commitment, I'm not excited to take it over Grasping Thrall or Savage Smash this early. You know, I'll, I'm happy to see it third, even fourth for sure, as a, a signal. Like any anywhere past pick four, I say, oh, that's probably too late for that card, and and maybe that's a signal that Azorius is open. But this early, it's not something that I'm excited to commit for. Yeah, Azorius is my guild, but I wouldn't take it over those either. Uh, we've got a Vindictive Vampire here, uh, three and a red for a 2-3. Whenever another creature you control dies, deals one damage to each opponent, and you gain one life. Um, fine card, probably not in contention here. And then I'm I'm curious how you feel. <laughs> ab- I can't wait. About captive audience these days. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, five black red for an enchantment, enters the battlefield under your opponent's control. Um, at the beginning of their upkeep, they choose one that hasn't been chosen. Life total becomes four. Discard your hand. Opponent creates five two two black zombies. I have put this card in my deck before. I have won games with it that no other card could have won. And I still think this card is pretty bad. Okay, good. I'm not yeah. crazy. Yeah. It just is way too slow. Uh, I had a game the other day where my opponent cast it on me. I went from three life to four life. I then, the following turn, discarded no cards and won the game. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. So, like, you know, the the floor for a card like this is just so low, and that's not even taking into account the times when it rots in your opponent's hand or in your own hand. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard, and it's in colors where you don't want a seven drop, so you're like splashing it or double splashing it, which is totally reasonable in this format, I think, with all the fixing that exists. But I just think you want a more impactful spell to be the thing at the top of your curve. Okay, yeah, I, I would agree with you here. So if, if I'm opening this pack, I'm probably taking that grasping throw and feeling a little guilty about not taking the savage smash. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think. Orzov is a better guild than Gruul, but that's not really a thing you need to consider so early. Yeah. I, I also think that Thrall is so splashable in Azorius. Like, just having a Esper good stuff deck is not a, a huge ask in this format, and having Thrall in your five drop slot is pretty good. Yeah. That, that's where I have ended up most of the times that I've done these is Azorius deck splashing for grasping Thralls and final payments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been pretty happy with that. Yeah, for sure. I think Azorius is the best guild in the set. I think Azorius is the best guild. Well, <laughs> clearly. 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 Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for doing that with me. Hopefully that'll kind of be a little refresher course uh, for everybody getting excited to draft Ravnica Allegiance. I'm kind of glad to see us rotate away from Ixalan. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute when we get to the main topic area. I had one okay. one more thing I wanted to hit before we got there. I was actually not aware that Ravnica remix had happened until remix. remix. <laughs> uh, but I sat down with my cup of coffee and was watching Isorok stream and saw him doing this. And, and you've done one of these too. Exactly. What are we into with these Ravnica remix drafts? So you can go to mtgo.com to check out the more detailed uh, descriptions of what's in each booster pack, but essentially they have shuffled up, uh, a select number of cards from both Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance and created two different kinds of booster packs. I think one is weighted more towards multicolored cards and fixing, and one is weighted more towards, um, I think, just uh, guild co- guild cards in particular, not multicolored. Um, but don't quote me on that. But there's some difference between the makeup of the pack, and I think you draft two of pack B and then one of pack A. Um, and so it's sort of a curated... Ravnica, Allegiance, Guilds of Ravnica, Remix, Shuffled Up, Draft Format. 
and it's just pretty degenerate. I mean, I don't know what peop other people are doing. I drafted a deck with 11 gates and 4 gate payoffs, and just, like, went to town and 3-0'd. Um, but I, I don't know what other, like, you know, strategies are viable, but I would imagine in such a, like, gold and guild gate dense format that drafting for power level over drafting like a, some sort of low to the ground boros or naya deck is gonna be a, a better strategy but i don't know i think there's a lot of time to explore yeah i i think i'm gonna have to go try one of these the payout is the same for cube drafts if you can go two one you essentially get your entry fee back mm -hmm. um uh, there have been a lot of events that have come out on arena where they're breaking a fundamental rule of magic uh, yeah did you did you do any of those omniscience drafts this past weekend? I haven't actually tried any of those yet. I've heard oh. good stuff about them. I imagine you had a great time in those. Oh, I definitely did. They were very addictive for me. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's the one that's been the closest to tempting me. But for, for me, what I'm more interested in is mixing up the sets. So, like, mm -hmm. my favorite way to draft is Chaos Draft. So like something like this really gets me interested again in firing up Magic Online, whereas I really haven't since the last cube was out. And I, I think that this is a great place for Magic Online to be as, as like an area to showcase these like, let's not break the rules, but let's mix up the sets and have some fun with it. I'm disappointed I missed the Chaos Drafts when they had them because those are a lot of fun for me too. Yeah, they were fun this time around. I have a question for you uh, it, coming from, you know, a primarily arena a place of primarily playing arena why not have this on arena there's like there i mean yesterday it came out there were like i don't know 150 people in the queue like or in the event itself mm -hmm. it's not a lot you're waiting a lot of time for a draft to fire you're waiting for matchmaking to happen like this just seems right up the alley for arena i understand when it it's chaos draft you can't do that on arena but this you totally could and i feel like people would be into it I feel like they would too. You know, I think this will like segue us nicely into our main topic, the state of arena for a serious player. Uh, I, th yeah. I think you could define Ethan and I as serious players uh, for mm -hmm. arena magic online and, and basically every game I play, I, I, I tend to get a little too into it. So my guess here is a, a big part of this event is that they are phantom packs, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's a curated pack, and you're going to get a specific rare for your collection, like that starts to become a consideration about whether you'd want to do this event or not. And you, sure. you might feel like, well, I got ripped off because I really needed to open this rare for, for my set, but it's not even in these packs and I didn't know. And I could see people getting upset about that because I, I do feel like a lot of what Limited is doing in Arena right now is helping you build a collection so that you can play standard. Yeah, for sure. That's how I feel. Okay. Well, let's 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 then talk through that because I have some thoughts about what what limited is now on Arena and where I'd like mm -hmm. it to be, and then I have some thoughts about constructed as well. But heck, we're we're limited gentlemen here. Yeah. So what are what are your thoughts on the state of limited as it is right now in MTG Arena? Um, you know, I like best of one. I think it's a cool variant. It's a different game than best of three in sideboarding. Um, I am not interested in figuring out a format at the start. At the start of a format, I'm not interested in trying to figure out how to play best of one. I feel like it's easier to figure out best of three first and then figure out how to, to just play a game without sideboarding or how to 
optimize your decks without sideboarding. I feel like you understand like what flex slots you want to fill in certain ways and what cards maybe you... You know, it's interesting because I feel like there are still temptations to think, well, I wouldn't main deck this card in best of three, but I will main deck this card in best of one. I think that's generally a fallacy. Like, I see people being like, oh, yeah, you'll main deck Crushing Canopy in, in best of one Rivals of Ixalan. I'm like, no, no, no. You were main decking Crushing Canopy in Rivals of Ixalan no matter what because there's so many enchantment-based removal spells, there's so many flyers you need to kill, and there's so many bombs that are enchantments. Mm-hmm. So, like... You were just doing that no matter what, and then you would side it out aggressively, but more often than not, it was appropriate to main deck. So that's why it's appropriate to main deck in best of one. I don't really think there are situations where you want to like hedge on putting a, a card in your deck that's like going to have a high upside but might be dead more often than not. What are your thoughts on that? I completely agree with you. Like all of the formats in best of one where I've been main decking a naturalize effect, I'd have done it in best of three too. I think the most yeah. recent core set draft is an example of that. Like I was main decking one naturalize effect in every deck that I possibly could because there were so many pants decks and there were plenty of artifacts to blow up as well. Like in that particular format, like artifacts were a big sub theme for blue and white. And then white and green had the like, let's put pants on everything as well as aura based removal. It was like, it just makes sense to main deck this. And then, like you said, be looking to take it out if it wasn't going to be good. Um mm-hmm. What differences does it make, though, if you know that you're doing a best of one? Like, I don't feel like there's narrow enough strategies in most limited sets to really take advantage of that in the same way that you could in Constructed. Um, I think it makes my decisions at the end of packs different, whereas I might take, you know, my draft strategy is a, a very open one. I often find myself midway through pack two still like, well, I know what my base one color is, but (laughs) I don't know what my other base color is. And I feel very comfortable in that situation and feel that by the end of the draft, I will have a cohesive deck. And so what that means is that, you know, at the end of pack one, I may not take a, you know, random two, two because I'm like, well, this, this has no chance of making my main deck at the current rate that my draft is going. But this other card, if let's say black is open, this other black common may make my deck if that ends up being the route I take. So like I think it alters the choices I make at the end of packs. Yeah, that's that's really interesting and I hadn't quite thought through all the implications of that yet. I, I'm going to get to Mythic in Best of One drafting, which you have already done. I did that yesterday, yeah. Rivals of Ixalan, I will not be doing that today. It's like I think the last day <laughs> is uh, of it being out. Yeah, I, You know, it's I don't hate the format. It's just best of one is volatile in and of itself. And then I think Rivals of Ixalan adds another layer on top of that that I don't quite like. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we'll see. Maybe once Ravnica Allegiance comes out on best of one, I'll also have stuff to complain about there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're magic players. We do love to complain now and then. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I want to complain just a little bit about not you? It, me. Old man wow. yells at cloud part four. Um, I don't quite understand why best of three isn't in ranked yet. I don't either. Like I have no, yeah, doesn't make any sense. I've described now again. Ixalan is what it is. It's magic. It's a good format. I've probably done five hundred Ixalan limited events. So like I've played a lot of it. There's there's not many sets that could hold up to being that played for me and still be fun, uh, mm-hmm. with just a few exceptions. But I, 
I really feel like it's it's like constructed is in a great place right now, and I feel like with the limited ranked, they're kind of like, hey, constructed players, you can play best of one Shadows over Innistrad Kaladesh standard, go. Yeah, yeah. So like that's just kind of something they need to fix. Is it is it because of the gym cost of entry for for traditional drafts? Do you think? Maybe. I mean, that's it's pretty steep. Two K gems is. Uh... It's nothing to sneeze at. And I don't I don't really know why it needs to be a potential six round event. I, I have an issue with that. Like I'm not trying to play a sealed event with my draft deck. Like, can I just can, can I just do a draft format where I draft a deck and I play three rounds? Like, you know, we're used to in either in pod play or in leagues on Magic Online. I don't I don't quite understand why there's this diversion to like, well, you could play up to five wins or you can do this up to seven wins best of one i feel like the seven wins best of one is pretty close to what we had because you're going to play about the same amount of games it's close but it's but is different you know yeah. because you can't you can't oh three yeah i mean i guess you can oh three <laughs> in games but you can't oh three in matches yeah 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 so that's interesting and then I'd like i wonder how, how do you feel now that we're in about drafting with bots? Because I remember very early, I would hear things from them about, you know, we all kind of assumed that drafting with people was coming, um, but I kind of haven't heard that mentioned in a while. How do you feel about the bot drafting? Uh, I don't like it. And, you know, it's, it is something that is, it's different. It's not like, <clears throat> it's not wildly different than drafting with people, but it is, uh, exploitable in a way that drafting with seven people uh, or a, a new group of seven people every time or seven people who have had a good night's sleep or not or seven people <laughs> who have drafted a uh, control deck in their most recent draft and want to do something different in this draft. You know, like, people are way less predictable than bots are. Um, and that doesn't feel good. You know, in the, the Dominaria Omniscience drafts, one of the best cards you could get was final parting, which is the the five mana demonic tutor. You find a card from your deck, and then you find you find two cards from your deck, one into your hand, one into your graveyard, and you could like consistently wheel that, and that's just stupid. Like you shouldn't be able to go. Well, I know I want this card, but I also know that these bots are almost certainly not going to take it, so I can take this divination that I want as well, and know that this card that's even better than divination is going to come around. I, you know, that's it's a different thing. Like best of one is different from best of three. I don't know what like they're both fun to play but that is something that i don't care for i feel like my edge and one of the things i enjoy the most about drafting is reading signals mm -hmm. is going like all right well i have come up with this correct pick order in my head and so i know that when i see blade juggler fifth that's too late for that card and so that seems like that's a signal either for rakdos or orzov so i'm going to take it here and the bots aren't drafting decks so even if you see a blade juggler like that or if you have a pack that has like five black cards in it you go well, i'm going to take one and i'm going to wheel one of them no, you might not, because those five cards might be high enough in the bot pick order that they're going to take it before that pack comes around to you. So they're not like drafting decks, they're just drafting according to some algorithm. Mm -hmm. And that's frustrating to me, because I feel like I'm you know, being punished for applying things that I've worked so hard to ingrain in myself that, that now I have to learn a new system of drafting or a new way to evaluate things. So bot drafting is still not something that I'm... Uh, 
super happy to be doing. Yeah, I, I feel like for people who got good at limited or even in just enjoyed limited, part of it was we wanted to show how smart we were during the draft process. And then we uh, wanted to show how smart we were during the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of missing that draft area. Yeah. So I, I still feel like right now Arena is a fun place to get a draft-like experience, but it's not quite right. No. Although it's it's probably the best way I've ever seen to introduce new people to draft. I agree. I agree. And I think the way the economy works, it is the best way to introduce limited junkies like myself into Constructed. Yeah, and I have some more things to say about Limited, um, but yes, I definitely want to talk about that transition into Constructed, because I've played more Constructed Magic over the past couple months than I ever have <laughs> yeah. in my life. Um, the one thing I did want to touch on that I think Arena is actually doing quite well, like entry fee cost, questionable, um, but you, you get your value, is like the sealed gameplay for me on Arena was actually really well done. Yeah, what... I didn't play any sealed since they updated the deck building. So I know that before deck building sealed on arena was a little bit of a yikes in terms of being able to like see your entire pool, being able to save multiple builds. What what sort of improvements did they make on that? So you still can't save multiple builds or do anything like that, but the ability Uh to shrink the cards in the top viewer actually makes it a lot easier to kind of see a whole pool at once. Because okay. prior to that, I was pulling these giant cards down into the bottom <laughs> and then trying to sort them, and there just wasn't enough space. Whereas now, you can kind of almost pull out the cards you don't want to play to the bottom and then glance mm. at them at the top and get an idea for your deck. So, like, my only complaint about Sealed was the Builder. It's still not perfect, uh, but it's better. And, like, Sealed has always been a passion of mine from from a limited perspective. So I, I like that they're doing that correctly. I, I wish it cost a little less, um, but I understand why it's priced where it is because the packs have value. So, like, if you're looking to build a collection when they have sealed events up, that's a fantastic way to do it. Yeah. I also wish that sealed was best of three. Yeah. I wish I had that available like, too. I think, and I get it because, I mean, if the, the idea is to appeal to a new player, then sideboarding and sealed is, you know, that it's a pretty daunting experience because <laughs> I think a lot of the time what you're supposed to do is is move into a different deck. If your pool can support multiple builds, there's often a like, well, this is a terrible matchup for my deck A, but deck B, I think this is going to be a great matchup. And then if your opponent's also doing that, there's this fun thing of like, well, what are we doing in game three? Like, and I get that that's daunting, but I do wish that that was an option. Cause I think for me, as someone who's, I think recently got into sealed as I was uh, prepping for going to GP Cleveland a few weeks ago, that, you know, I actually really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed, I felt like I started to understand the game of sealed and so much of that was in the building multiple decks and, and aggressively sideboarding. Yeah, and a digital medium is such a wonderful place to do that because your opponent yeah. can't watch you unsleeve all these cards or right. you know shuffle fi- 50 cards <laughs> into your deck or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And you can do it relatively quickly, either on Magic Online or in Arena. Like swapping decks is pretty easy. It's just a few clicks. So I'd, yeah. I'd like to see that too. Now... I feel like all of the criticisms I have about where Limited is right now, with the exception of bot drafting, I also had about Constructed three months ago, but now I don't. Like, Why is that? Like, they fixed it, right? Like, we could only play best of one for ranked, but now we can Mm -hmm. play best of three. 
Yeah. So like, what what has your constructed experience been? Like, I came from a limited background and really just got into heavy constructed now with Arena, and I, I kind of feel like the same thing happened to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I played on Magic Online, I had an incentive to sell off all of my rares so that I could pay for more drafts. I don't have that incentive on Arena because it doesn't exist. So I have the ability to just store up cards from not only the cards that I get from my draft, but from the prize packs that also have no value other than just to be opened and mined for cards for constructed. So, you know, all of my arena play and I left all of my, I left all of my wild cards uncrafted until Ravnica Allegiance came out because I wanted to see like what the good decks to build were because I'm pretty spiky at heart. And so if I'm going to play constructive, I'm going to build constructed decks. I don't feel like I have the tools yet to be like a, a deck builder or to be building around a certain card or try and like innovate on an archetype. Like I'm just going to look for stock lists of like the top tier decks. Like the first deck I built was Autumn Burchett's mono blue deck that won the mythic championship. So like I just, and that's a pretty de- easy deck to craft because there's not many rares in it. Yeah. Um. So I'm interested in playing good decks in Constructed at the moment, and I feel like it's pretty easy, you know, I, without having to... I haven't bought packs ever, you know, I bought gems so that I could enter drafts, but the cards that I have are all from either opening boosters or crafting them, and I've got most of the top-tier decks either fully crafted or almost crafted, save for their sideboards, because I'm not... I'm not uh, confident enough yet to figure out how to do best of three constructed maybe you can help me out on this episode well a big help for me when i picked up mono blue uh was that i'm very fortunate to have met alexander hayne through kyt um oh yeah and he was willing to give me a sideboard guide for his mono blue deck that he got to mythic with so i i literally on my my climb to mythic last month just used alex's guide was like that's yeah that's nice and easy but um Anytime you do get a a constructed deck, usually the person that's made it can tell you the reasons they have stuff in their sideboard. I, mm-hmm. I'll never forget an interview KYT did a long time ago on the Mana Deprived site where he's he's talking to a player that's doing particularly well at an event, and he's he asks about a particular... I don't remember the deck or the card, but that's not important. He asked about a particular card in the sideboard and said, what is this for in your sideboard? And the player said, that's for backup. And that's when I realized somebody was just on a good run because, like, there needs to be a reason this card is in your sideboard. Like, what's it for? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm the same way when it comes to constructed. I don't want to try to, you know, build my own deck. I'll take a stock list, uh, look for advice from the people that have played it, and maybe make some tweaks once I think I understand it. Um, and that's the biggest thing for me is like asking why is each of these cards in the sideboard of this list. Um, and figuring out what specific matchup it's for and then learning to bring it in there. Yeah. And, you know, I had brief experiences with Constructed in the past, you know, when I mostly when there seemed to be a budget-friendly deck that was competitive. And so I would go, well, maybe I'll, like, you know, I'm, I'm flush with the tickets at the moment, so maybe I'll invest in this deck. But I would really, like, play it for a day and then sell the cards. I would just get bored with it yeah. pretty quickly. Like, Limited is way more fun for me. But this... The way that arena is structured really allows me to go. Well, you know, like I don't, I don't feel like playing a Rivals of Ixalan draft, but I want to play. I want to get my daily quests. Well, I can, I can hop in a best of one ranked, try and rank up, and also unlock my daily quests with whatever. Is it Drake's or Mono Blue or whatever I have? Yeah, standard feels really good right now. 
Like, there's like what over a dozen competitive tier one decks right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I I have not made Mythic and Limited yet, but I have made Mythic and Constructed, which is kind of bizarre for me to think that I would choose to do that first. Uh, mm-hmm. But kind of just accidentally did it while trying out that Gruel Warriors list, uh, and yeah, had so it just in a couple days. Can we talk about what your Gruel list looks like? Is that do we do we do that on the show? Do we go deep into deck lists? Yeah, we could certainly talk about it. I'm curious because I built a Gruel deck. It was like I think it was like the third deck I crafted. So I'm following. I don't know if you're aware of uh, arena deck lists on Twitter. Yeah. Is, is the Twitter account started by the game podcast where people can post decks that they've got to Mythic with or, like, you know, won an event with or whatever. And that's been really helpful for me to see, like, what decks are doing well out there, to see not only, like, you know, variants on a theme but also new decks. And I saw this Gruul deck, and I was like, oh, that looks cool. I already have four Rekindling Phoenixes. Like, but I have not found that deck to be impressive on my side of the battlefield or my opponent's side. So, but but I do see it coming up a lot on the arena deck list of people grinding up to mythic with it. So I'm wondering like what the build looks like, and maybe it's the difference of playing best of three versus best of one as well. Yeah, that, that's interesting because one thing that Dave and I have talked about in the past is I feel like best of one kind of pushes out mid range decks to an extent. Yes, I agree with that. So in best of one, you're going to see a lot more aggro decks and a lot more control decks. Um, So my deck, I'm actually pulling up the list right now so that I can look at it. Um, My list is a variant that is playing uh, four Growth Chamber Guardians, four Harpooners main deck, four Chain Whirlers, four Phoenixes, three Siege Gang Commanders, two Domries, three Collision Colossuses main deck, and then it's rounded out with lightning strike and a shock. It gets away with the mana base in that all of the lands produce red or are unclaimed territory and you yeah. name warrior. Right. So typically how this works is you can get something very aggressive going in the start, like you'll shock their first play. Then you play whatever two drop you've got, maybe a spell breaker. Chain Whirler is still great. And then there's some cute interactions you can do with Domri that are, are really awesome if you use Domri to cast a Growth Chamber Guardian, you can put a counter on it and go find another one. Okay, yeah. If you use Domri to cast a Crawl Harpooner late game and give it haste, sometimes you're killing your opponent. Oh, wow, because it's just like a 10-power creature or whatever. Yep, and they were not expecting it. Um, and I found Siege Gang Commander to be just kind of an awesome thing to land on the top end. Um, I've burnt people out using Collision um, or Lightning Strike or Shocks to the Face. So, like, I, I think this deck actually has a lot of legs and it's a lot of fun. The the sideboard for it... Now, in Best of One Land, you don't have to worry about Nexus of Fate decks. Right. But I'm actually happy to see them because I'm packing three Cinder Vines. Uh, and generally speaking, Ooh. when you resolve Cinder Vines, they concede. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I don't... Yeah, how do, how do they win through yeah, that? Yeah, they don't. <laughs> um, you've got a Pirate Clasm, some Treasure Maps, Lava Coils, Legion War Boss, and Immortal Sun in the sideboard. So, like, there's some real flexibility there to get a little bit more aggressive with the War Bosses uh, or to bring in the Treasure Maps when it's going to be one of those attrition matchups. I like those against Esper, where they're, mm-hmm. they're having me kind of discard my hand before they play their big stuff. It's like, well, fine, discard my hand, but I'll rebuild it and then be able to answer your stuff. Yeah, Esper doesn't... I mean, I don't know what their sideboard looks like. I've been really enjoying Esper in Best of One, but Esper has a hard time dealing with Treasure Map, I would imagine. You know, they, they've got they got Mortify and Vraska's Contempt, but I don't know what, what ways they have to blow up artifacts. Yeah, they really don't have any. Um, yeah. And the, the Phoenix puts a good bit of pressure on them, too. 
Um, and then against Esper, I found the Gruel Spellbreaker is honestly just best as a 3-3 with haste. Uh-huh. Well, I think what was Ben Stark was like, Riot is a mechanic that reads plus one, plus one, counter and limited, haste and constructed. Yeah, and that's basically how it's worked out. So, like, yeah. I, I didn't really intend to get Mythic with that deck. I just thought it looked cool and tried it for a couple days and was Mythic. And then was like, okay, we're going to put the brakes on uh, because I do need to be top 1,000 in something at the end of this month. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on our Mythic Weekend qualifiers? I mean, I wish I had more details, but it feels, certainly for folks like you and me, it feels super attainable. I don't even, I would be surprised if there were a thousand people at the end of the month in Mythic and Limited. Yeah, I've been curious about that. That's a commitment. You know, it, it took, it didn't take me that long the first time around that I did it. Um, but this time it felt like even getting from whatever, what did you start at, Plat 4 up to Mythic? For Rivals, it was a slog for me. Yeah, and I, I started at Silver this time because I'd been so focused on Constructed with the Twitch Rivals events and then mm-hmm. the, the you know, <laughs> cross your fingers, make it to the Mythic Invitational event. Um, yeah. So I, I've, I've got a little longer to go. I am committed to making sure I hit Mythic and Limited because I feel like as a streamer, if, if I don't have that double Mythic, I really don't have the, <laughs> the weight of authority behind me. Right. But uh, all I know so far, and I think all that any of us know, is... I've been asking for a digital GP for the past five years, and it looks like I got it. You got it, yeah. No, I think it seems great. Um, Seems nice to be able to do a GP from your home. It seems like, even though you can qualify for limited, that it will be constructed. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there'll be a sealed event, but my guess is that they will be constructed events. Yeah. Um, So... You know, I, I'll i still play in it if I qualify for it. it. Seems like a grind. You know, if you're getting whatever the top... There's probably some overlap, right? You can't. You don't qualify twice, they said, if you're both top 1,000 in both constructed and limited. So I don't know what the overlap there is looking like. But, you know, even if we think it's it's there's halves of whatever, there's 1,500 people, that's, that's, that's a GP. Like, you're going to have to X2 day one, and then still you're going to have to basically 5-1 or 6-0 on day two to get to top 16, which is what qualifies you for the next championship. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to be easy, but since it's happening every month, it's basically like I can I can basically try this as many times as I want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it almost did feel like a free invite for streamers. Yeah, you know, that, which is nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that... Whereas the the PTQs and the PPTQs didn't really have a lot of interest for me, um, for some reason this does, and maybe it's just because qualifying for it seems like it's going to be basically free if you know if you if you're winning and you're playing a lot of Magic, which you and I are, that I, I think it's a it's a nice bonus. Well, the fact too that we're being invited to a digital Mythic Championship means something to me. Like I played in the PTQs on Magic Online and had some reasonable finishes, uh, second being best, which <laughs> didn't qualify but was fun. Like yeah. I, I wasn't really that motivated to try to go to the Pro Tour at the, at the time. It was more like mm-hmm. I want to stream something competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the the fact that we may be able to do this now has me excited. I will mention should you do these and decide to stream them. Like it's it's worth revisiting a, a topic that Dave and I talked about years and years ago. I got ghosted while I was working on the Mythic Climb last month. Like had somebody oh, wow. come in the chat and complain 
about their draws. They're like, when you ghost and you can't even draw your third land. And I was like, oh man, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm too... I don't know, There's, it's tough. So you can stream on a delay, mm -hmm. which I've never done. I know you have done a number of times. Mm -hmm. um, or you could just not do it. Or you could stream without a delay and sort of just like... You know, take your lumps with the fact that people can ghost you, but that doesn't seem ideal, especially at something with that amount of stakes. Yeah, as, as the stakes get higher, more and more of that is possible. And now, a Magic Online, I often like to use a hand hider, uh, mm -hmm. but the, the card draw animation on Arena prevents you from doing that. Right, right. Because it kind of flies up in your face. So, like, I, I don't think I'm going to do that for general ladder play. Like, if somebody needs to come in and ghost, like, whatever it is, what it is. Um, yeah. But I really noticed it, it was kind of bizarre. Uh, last month when I was doing that climb, everybody and their mama played around Spell Pierce. And then when I was mm. on a delay, man, it got so much better. <laughs> and like, I don't know what percentage of that was in my head, but I, I noticed how much better Spell Pierce got. Uh, so just yeah. be aware of that if you if you go into like those final events and you're a streamer um, or you're like, hey, I want to stream these like. I'm not a huge big boy streamer. Not a lot of, not everybody knows who I am, uh, but enough of them did that they were like, you know, somebody decided to come and check it out. So, meh. Yeah. Yeah. That's always frustrating. But, you know, like, no one's, no one's forcing us to stream. So it, it comes with the territory for sure. Yeah. yeah it is what it is. Yeah. For, yeah. Um, I, I think I've got most of what I wanted to chit-chat about covered. Was there anything else as far as Arena goes that you wanted to kind of have your say on? Well, they made a cool announcement yesterday that I'm really excited about, which is that you can co-stream the event at PAX. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. I have really, you know, I'm... Uh, for folks who know me and my life, people know that I'm an actor by trade and profession. And so uh, I have one, I felt like, I feel like coverage is a, a pretty big overlap in terms of a Venn diagram of my interests and skills. And I've really wanted to get into that and have the, have the opportunity to to move into that. And this gives me that opportunity in, in a way for, for my own stream, at least to like get some reps in, to see if it's something that, that people are interested in. And I've never had that opportunity before because you can't stream content that isn't your own on your channel. But Twitch is now going to let you do that for this event. So I'm going to be able to stream the stream what folks are seeing on the Magic channel on my own and give my own commentary. And any streamer out there can do that to like, you know, they, they described it as providing your own voice for your own community for this content, which is a really cool thing, I think. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I hope that they find success with that and then maybe we can even do that for pro tours coming up i would love nothing more than to be able to sorry not pro tours mythic championships mm -hmm. i would love nothing more than to be able to commentate a mythic championship draft and rounds on my channel i think that would be really awesome and i i hope that they let us do that in the future yeah i've i've seen in other games like i followed heroes of the storm for a long time and there were streamers whose entire stream was watching replays and commenting it and they eventually became the commenters for that when you would see like big events for them. And it was uh -huh. it was just this avenue in, in that case for like very good game players who understood it, but didn't really want to stream the gameplay. They wanted to stream that aspect of it to be able to kind of sh flex that skill and show it off. Um, and it's also a way to hear different voices. Like there's always a challenge in coverage, like which audience do we appeal to? 
Right. Because you and I are going to be interested in something very different from limited coverage than someone who's been playing for two months and is like, so what's a draft? Right, exactly. Yeah, and I, I do not envy them that, uh, you know, line that they have to toe or decision they have to make to choose one side or the other in terms of like what percentage of their audience they're trying to cater to in a particular matchup or particular segment of the coverage. Um, but I, I won't have that issue on my own channel with which whatever tens or, or hundred people choose to, to hang out there. Dude, I'd come watch you do a, a review of limited drafting at, at a, a mythic championship for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it's a really cool opportunity. Yeah, me too. And I think it allows them to kind of release that line so that they can cater to a, a newer crowd and then have someone like right. you take that expert role and be like, okay, you want super analysis, go here. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it kind of reminds me in professional sports, like if you're watching a baseball game, the commentators are more talking about the plays, but there's a you know a show after with the statistics and the analytics and that sort of thing if we really want to dive deep into it. And a lot of people do. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think there's a there's an audience, there's a hunger out there for that sort of thing. Yeah, and and now we can we can sat, satiate that hunger. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to wrap us here. Then, um, where can people find your content? Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. You can check me out on Twitter at that same handle. Uh, you can check out Lords of Limited anywhere where you download podcasts: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. I don't know, phonographs, whatever. Um, we are proudly sponsored by StarCityGames.com. You can check us out there as well. And uh, you can also tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. Awesome. Uh, you can find me at Simulan on Twitter, uh, twitch.tv slash Simulan. And again, shout out to Face-to-Face Games for hosting the podcast. Thank you very much for the support. Uh, and we will catch you all next week. Have a good one. Easy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, man. Like I said.